everybody welcome back to another episode of staring into the sun podcast we're two brothers we are hoping to approach turbulent issues of life and culture from our two different perspectives hoping to capture the deeper truths that explode from the beautiful collision of head and heart man who wrote that i don't know somebody really smart funny i would imagine that they're very good looking It wasn't me, but I'm, I'm Dr. Rob Gibson, I'm a licensed psychologist in Denver, Colorado. And I am Pastor John Gibson, a licensed pastor. And <laughs> I am not. licensed, actually, that's the thing. I'm or, an ordained, ordained minister in the Church of the Nazarene, yeah. And uh, hailing from Centerville, Ohio. Uh, but yeah, we're going to gaze into the sun a little bit together today. Blinding lights of yes. spiritual and emotional healing <laughs> truthness what i'm saying now but we're gonna let's talk, talk about, about something good we're gonna talk about mass today mass oh, dear god this was what, this was your idea but when you it? told me i was i was frightened because i thought man <laughs> all i've had enough conversation about mass are we wearing them are we not wearing them are we oh. mandating them you know oh gosh no no you meant yeah. something else a different we, kind of masks Yes, it's actually when you say that, it makes me think of something completely different. But my family, we love the Masked Singer. Have you ever watched the Masked Singer? No, I haven't. Oh, Robbie, watch it with your children. So this show, the premise of the show is they bring celebrities on, but they dress them up in these gigantic costumes, so you don't know who they are. And then they sing, and the whole premise of the show is you have to try to guess who they are. You know, and all the the celebrities are like, oh, it's so freeing, I can truly be me, and I've never, you know, I've never been able to be myself, and I can be... All these liberating, but it's interesting to me because they feel liberated because they're masked. I, maybe that's because they're celebrities and they're they're always having yeah. their life exposed to everybody else, and so they can be them true selves. But I often think of masks in the other way and experience this reality with with people in my church and my community of faith. That a lot of times we use masks because we want to hide something, and we use it as kind of a. Um, you know, uh, something to protect ourselves from people seeing the real me underneath the surface or because trying to hide something that I don't want anybody else to see. Because what would happen? Do you have a sense of what the what the fear is? I think it's a fear of exposure, you know, or judgment, or maybe it's even fear of pain. Uh, I think a lot of times we we put facades out there in front of you know the world to see because we don't want to face what's underneath it sometimes because it's too painful you know or we've lived so long with kind of putting that facade that facade up that we haven't really stared into the sun very much in our own lives and face what's underneath there um yeah mm-hmm. even more so now too we have social media uh, which i think perpetuates this reality even more because we can put this virtual version of ourselves out there for the world through images and you know, quotes and whatever. But. When it, it it's also really problematic in their other direction, where if you already have a pretty negative view of yourself, um, or that uh, maybe a persistent thought is that you know others others have it really well, and um, they you know they're dealing with life so much better than I am, and then you look to social media and you see that oh yeah, in fact they are happy all the time. Um, they you know that must be I must be completely alone in how I feel, um, and you know you're you're seeing a, a presentation of of someone not so necessarily their masks? true self. 
you know, I have my own thoughts about this, obviously, but I'd love to hear your professional opinion. Uh, why? What? What's going on in that the human psyche? I want this collision of mind and heart. But why do we wear masks? Why do you think, Doctor Rob? Why do we wear masks? Well, let me start with an example then. Um, the, I'll, I'll talk about one of my masks. So the, there's a what? story that I know, right? Oh my gosh! Oh, yes. A moment of authenticity. I so. Love this. <laughs> I might regret this. We'll see. Uh, I'm just kidding. Come into my that, office, That's Ron. the experience of taking off the mask, right? It's, it's scary. Like, it, you know, will I be accepted when I share this? But um, so anyway, uh, one of the masks that I, I learned to inhabit was uh, the presentation that I've got it all together. Um, I, I was perfectionist uh, most of my life. I've been working on it, recovering from it. Um, because I realized that it's it can't happen, so I've been dealing with reality since then. Um, but as as a kid developing, I I drove to be perfect at things, and um, kind of what what ended up developing is I would present this mask to people like I've I've got it all together, I'm I'm doing everything great, um, and uh, I think I'd have to think about why I wore that mask. But one of the net results was is uh, I would do that, I think in part so that I wouldn't get critical feedback from other people because I was afraid of being imperfect and that really hurt when I got feedback that I wasn't. And so I would just strive to never get any negative feedback and present myself as, as perfect. Well, I had this experience one time when uh, when I was, uh, it was after graduate school and I was at one of my first jobs and uh, one of my... Um, one of my peers from my graduate program had um, recommended me to the job that I was now working at. And we were at a retreat and people were talking about their experience of each other. And one of the other uh, colleagues of mine had said, yeah, you know, the, you know, your colleague that referred you to us to work here, they, they said they had a nickname for you in, in grad school. And they said, your nickname was perfect Rob. And, you know, everybody laughed and, and I was, I was a bit horrified at that moment because I had done some personal work at that point and I was like, man, that means I got through all of graduate school and the people that I spent all this time with did not know that I struggled because I struggled in grad school. It was hard. It's brutal. Grad school is like a recipe for mental illness. Um, So it was really tough. And I, I remember thinking, man, all they saw was my mask and uh, that, w- that was a, a really pivotal time for me where I realized that um, you know, something that I had learned to adopt as a kid in order to prevent getting negative feedback or in order to um, you know, maintain the presentation to other people that everything's okay, there's nothing to see here, um, you know, maybe hiding my flaws, things like that, uh, I realized that people didn't know me. And that poses some specific problems. I want your feedback before I get into some more of the psychodynamics of that. But I'm, I'm, I'm curious what you think of that. Well, thanks for sharing, Robbo. You know, I, I love that, you know, you felt safe enough and you're in a place in your life where you can experience that, you know, truth in your life. And it, I, it makes me feel like I should reciprocate and tell my own story. Jeez, it's like not fair for you just to bury your soul on the show and like let's moving on. Well, <laughs> you, you did it a couple times ago. You were talking about your plumbing story. My pl- oh geez, yes. talking about yeah. my faults, all my faults. Well, I'll, I'll share a mass story. It's actually when I became a, a lead pastor in the church. We the church was going through a real rough spot, and um, you know we and not nothing like bad rough. It's just a transition from a uh, pastor who had been here a long time uh, to me, and you know in my 
naivety or naivete um, thought everybody loved me and everybody would stay and all those kind of things. And very quickly within becoming a senior pastor first year, two years, I began to develop this habit of uh, out of my anxiety for wanting to keep everybody around, uh, which connected to I, I attributed people keep staying around with if they liked me. And then that kind of perpetuated me putting on masks to become, try to become what everybody wanted of me, you know? So in every relationship, I was trying to identify and determine what, what is, what do they need from me in order to feel fulfilled and feel happy and stay? What ended up happening though, is I began to put on all these different masks to be, be what everybody wanted all the time. And I was so connected to everybody's approval that when people inherently left and we lost about 60% of our people within the first two years, um, it was, it was hard, you know, for, because each one was a blow. What did I, what, what about me or what about the version of myself that I'm trying to be for these people didn't work for them, you know? And it wasn't until going through the next two or three years of really having a hard time with that, um, where I kind of. And working now towards the place of really just who who I I am, who God has called me to be. I'm going to be that sort of pastor. And my job isn't to get you to stay at Living Hope or or church in general. My job is to um, journey with you and be an example of what it means to follow Christ authentically. And that's it, you know. Um, but that but masks were were and still creeps in in my you know in my life as a pastor. I'll, it'll happen, and I'll go. Oh, hold on, I'm. My job isn't to be what what you need, or what I think you need of me, which really kept people from seeing the real me. You know, there was a couple of years there I was kind of in a more, you know, I was in a sad kind of place, and people didn't know because I was trying to, you know, play the game well. Hmm. Yeah, my my mind's moving on that. I, you know, I, I think one of the. You know, we're we're optimizing for the present when we do that. We're we're trying to minimize tension and and adapt to the environment right in front of us. But we make a sacrifice for future self. Uh, we 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 take from them uh, what maybe they could have um, uh, in order to adapt to the present moment. And to be more specific, I was thinking, you know, um, if if I in my circumstance, you know, when I would present myself in a way that appeared perfect, um, it, it might net me the admiration of people kind of distant to me. Um, but what I discovered is that people very close to me, um, I was uh, subtly communicating to them with this way of being that uh, I can't handle your critical feedback or I don't want it. And so what ends up happening uh, is... Uh, I uh, stopped getting feedback that would actually make me better. So if I was theoretically interested in being more perfect, I was doing the very thing that would prevent people from giving me honest, genuine feedback that would help me know where I'm missing the mark. And instead, I create pressure on them to coddle me, to take care of me, to give me overly positive feedback. And we would think that that would actually be helpful, but it's really not because our brains inside know that there's a lie here. Okay, Our brains know because we live with ourselves. I knew I wasn't perfect. I was very aware of that. And so when people would give me feedback of like, oh, you know, you're, you know, you're so good at this or, you know, perfect Rob's his nickname. I was like. That feedback does not feel good because it's not true. 
And mm-hmm. it's actually incredibly unuseful because it's not founded in truth. Whereas the more that I work to be authentic with the people around me, when I actually do display something that's significant or meaningful or impactful, they give me feedback that's honest then. And then I can receive it knowing it's honest because I also know that they would give me tougher feedback as well. And so when when we operate with masks, we basically we contaminate all the feedback we get from people. It keeps us from being able to get better because it, it's like having inf, you know an inflated currency. Somebody gives you 100 bucks and it's worth, you know, a penny. It's like, well, it looks like 100 bucks. Well, it, I know it's meaningless because I know underneath it there's nothing backing it up. Yeah. It's interesting too. I I think part of my what I experienced was that reality in my own personal life but then I also made on a like in a church level I made people I think I don't know if I did I don't know if they experienced this or not but it seems to me like my attempt to be what they needed to stay kind of distorted what they needed to stay does that make sense like i think i'm following but keep going. trying to become trying to become something for someone it it distorted the, the the true reason why they should attend church in the first place and i think it's a problem that we have in the church and i think churches wear masks a lot of times in our current day this consumer culture where we we try to become what people like what seekers need to feel like they're getting what they need. It's, it's the definition of, of what it means to be in a consumer culture, right? Mm -hmm. You, you change so that the needs of, of the shopper are met, but that's inherently not what church is meant to be about. You know, church isn't something you consume. It's something that we come to, to worship and to experience. And because of my masks, I kind of changed that reality for people. And I think maybe, not maybe, I I diminished what church could be for them, you know? Yeah, this is something often I'll I'll encounter when I'm in in therapy. And I I try to warn people of this. Like, good therapy kind of (laughs) sucks. I would imagine it's hard, right? Well, because... I mean, yeah, you should feel the goodness that comes from being accepted by someone. And I think when you take down your mask and you open up vulnerably and somebody says, I've heard this mess and I'm still with you, that feels good. But good therapy also is willing to encounter the truth and engage with the truth. And oftentimes that's tough and it's ugly um, and it requires work or accepting something hard or terrible or any number of things. And so I'll usually give people the warning, you know, if, uh, if, if the expectation is that good therapy is, uh, I'll feel good after I, I especially tell this to couples. I'm like, it, you know, it, it's, it's going to be rough because it is rough. And, and I think your point is, is like, you know, if, if, if we're operating from the premise of, okay, you, you need sustenance. So uh, what we're operating under is I'm going to give you uh, – you're saying you want, uh, say, cotton candy. And I'm just going to operate under that premise and say, okay, well, I'm going to try to get you cotton candy in the most effective, meaningful way possible. And I'm going to try to do my best at that. And, you know, the, the desire to do your best is understandable, but the premise underneath it doesn't make sense, right? It's like if you want something good that really transforms you – then we have to remove we can't operate under this premise of the mask or under this premise that you know good therapy you'll feel good at the end of every session or you know something like that the premise is actually wrong that we're operating under 
it connects me too to something else I think is attached to this is that when I was wearing my mask, so in my example as a pastor trying to be what people needed, I presented this you know artificial and some of it was me, but it but it wasn't really what was going on with me deep inside, and how it was affecting me wasn't displayed to people either. And I think this is why we see a, an enormous amount of pastors leaving ministry from burnout is because what happened in me is I was putting this artificial front out so that people got what they needed so that they would stay at my church, but underneath it, the effect was I was wearing down. I was um, I was frustrated because it wasn't having the outcome or the effect that I was trying to give people. We had people leaving. I was taking that personally. So underneath, but I was still trying to maintain this mask of being what people needed to stay. But underneath the surface, I was kind of eroding and nobody saw that happening, you know, and it, it, it didn't get to a place where I quit, but it got to a place where I was having a hard time and nobody knew it, you know, or, or nobody, nobody, could see except for maybe people really close to me right mentors or people who kind of saw through some of the things that i was displaying for the world to see and this is an interesting part of this i'd love to talk to you about how do we how do we know so if we have loved ones in our lives or people that are close to us that we are invariably doing this how do we are there warning signs how do we know when somebody's struggling behind a mask and because that's scary for me you know when people put on a front but really underneath it they're they're a mess you know and i can i think that can be the danger of wearing masks sometimes is we don't really know what's going on with people well i think i mean i think probably the the hard answer is that we probably always are to some extent um and uh, i'll dig into that a bit um uh donald winnicott who's a psychoanalyst uh, uh talks about the concept of the true self and the false self and the true self being like if you were in an you know, accepting, loving environment that gave you free creative room to play with who you are, that's who you would be. It's rooted in your biology, your personality, um, you know, these types of things. Um, but because we encounter the demands of the world around us, um, which are complicated and often difficult or sick or toxic or any varying levels of those things, we'll encounter demands that say, okay, your expression of your true self won't work here. And so you have to adapt and present some sort of presentation of yourself that will then work. Well, the challenge is, is uh, we often don't do a whole lot of thinking about, is this an environment where I could take a risk and express my true self and see how it goes? And often we don't do that because the risk of rejection is so painful. So often we're operating in a lot of ways where we're trying to adapt to the environment we're in to ensure that we are accepted. It makes me think of what you were saying. Like you, you wanted to make sure you were accepted by the people in your church. And so what you were doing was extrapolating what you thought they wanted. And then we're operating based off of that. Um, and it, it led to some toxic results because there were probably a lot of times where you might've been wrong or you were wrong about what they wanted, or maybe they were wrong about what they wanted as well. Like the, you know, the, so all of those things might go wrong. And so, so your question, how do we, how do we notice? I think starting from the premise for myself and for those around me is that we, we probably are operating with masks, but some of the signs that we are, we're taking risks are signs of vulnerability, right? So am I going to drop my presentation of myself and am I going to share something that might not fit 
or I might share something that would be vulnerable, um, you know, something like this. Uh, I'm going to take a risk and check it out with the community I'm in and see if they're okay. And this is actually, I wanted to make this point. Um, one of the great downsides of the masks is you you don't really get to experience the acceptance of other people. I've seen this when I've facilitated group therapy where people will start to take the risks of letting down their mask and sharing something very authentic about themselves, maybe something about their story, something true about them. They're telling the truth about themselves and they discover that other people heard it and still like them. It's really meaningful because it, Number one, it's true. They realize people like them still. But number two is that because they weren't lying, they can actually internalize it to some extent because they're like, well, I was telling the truth. So the feedback they're giving me, maybe it's based on something true. Now, we'll still run into potential lies of like, well, they would just say that to make me feel better, um, things like that. Um, so this challenge of everyone in the community working on being more authentic uh, in a group therapy setting is one of the main targets. Um, but the, that's a long answer. I, I would say probably people are, and some signs that we're not is we're being truthful with hard things. Maybe we're giving hard feedback or we're sharing um, vulnerable aspects of ourselves with other people, things like that. Yeah, uh, That's a beautiful thing. I experienced it in the church with like, uh, we call them our quads or accountability groups, you know, and I, I've, I think I've experienced this a lot too, because once, once you're around people who are, who are taking that step first, it kind of opens the door for you to feel safe to do it. You know, I've, I've experienced that a lot within the church, somebody, and we do that a lot just on Sundays for that reason where I'll share, somebody will share their story, you know, or share, um, we do videos a lot and those kind of things, because we found that when people share their struggle or share their story, it connects to other people and gives them permission to then take steps of authenticity. Because they feel like something about someone else feeling safe enough to share communicates that this is a safe place to share. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. and I think that kind of um, opens people up. That's one of the things I love about the church when I, when again, when you, or your group therapy kind of thing. When you mm -hmm. see that happen, it's a really beautiful thing to feel. But you have to feel safe first, you know. I, I don't, people aren't going to take that step most of the time unless somebody takes it first. Does that make yeah, and, and there's an energy around that, and we we get feedback when that's happening. And so when, when you're on the track of meaningful connection or meaningful expression of yourself, when you were saying before about how you slowly kind of got demoralized, that made sense to me um, because you weren't operating in a way of true competence, like flourishing of your own creativity and capacity. You weren't doing that. And so it makes sense to me then you weren't getting the return on the energy because uh, when we're doing that, when we're authentically engaging or we're getting authentic feedback, it feels good. Our body gives us feedback that, hey, keep doing it. Um, and so it's it's energizing, whereas when, when we're not, uh, it's and that's what I would say could be a sign. And when I'm noticing in therapy or I'm noticing in myself, um, if, if things have the appearance of being okay all the time or kind of artificially pleasant, um, if there's not like a, a pattern, kind of, kind of like any good story, like any good narrative always has this. It has some, some setting and st some stability and understanding the story. Um, so like you said, there has to be some safety or some security that I can maybe trust these people, but there's going to be a rise in tension and there's going to be some sort of climactic experiences. And then 
some resolution and relief after there's going to be an, an an arc of that that happens with authenticity where if there's no tension ever um uh, then then there's probably there's probably deception in the system somewhere because we're a complex system and we're often a mixture of mess so if if, if things just look great and appear great that's probably a sign that uh there, there's a lot of mass wearing yeah Something else that just kind of jumped on my mind I wanted to kind of chat about because I think there's there's potential in our world, and I'm going to connect this to Jesus just because that's what I do. You know, I'm a professional huh, connector to Jesus things. But um, I, I think there's there's potential in our world when when we when we see someone, and I think people who have taken this journey of being authentic and taking masks off become become people who who can spot phony you know who can spot people who are protecting themselves with masks you know but within us we have this power um i think to set people free or to invite them into a journey by really seeing who people are i've had this happen oftentimes in ministry where just as a pastor i can i can meet with someone i know they're struggling but they're just kind of faking it you know and with with a just a quiet word or a, to just communicate that I, I see them is mm-hmm. so profoundly powerful. It's like a way to give people permission to say, I, I see that there's something going on with you and, I, and it's okay and I love you. What, the story that comes to mind is when Jesus does this. He's, uh, I believe it's Nathaniel, and Nathaniel's having a rough time of it. He's under a fig tree. We don't really know what's going on with him and God, but he's had something happen in his life. And um, he's he's told that Jesus is here and he's the Messiah and he's brought before Jesus to come see him. And Nathaniel says, you know, what good could come from Nazareth? And he has this encounter with Jesus and Jesus in a moment looks at Nathaniel and says, oh, behold, a, a righteous person, you know. Uh, and he says, how do you know that? How do you know me? You've never met me, you know. And Jesus says, well, I've, I saw you under the fig tree, Nathaniel. And it's I love when God does this in our lives, when he reaches in and says, I see you. I see the good, which I think is beautiful about that story because he he calls Nathaniel who he truly is, a righteous, you know, Israelite or a righteous man. But he also sees all the brokenness of Nathaniel's life. He saw what, you know, he saw him under that fig tree. And we have that same opportunity when we experience that from God. I think sometimes we, we need intervention from God to enter in we're, we're so covered with mass that we need an experience with god to, to for to experience acceptance in some way but then we also have as people who experience those moments in our life have this opportunity to do that for someone else you know and i think that's a part of this mask thing and authenticity thing is don't don't ever underestimate the power you have to enter into someone's life and say i see you you know i see who you are to give them permission to then feel okay and accept. maybe it's that acceptance thing, right? You you it's, speak it's that, that into them, and it's also and and this actually comes from. I mean, there's a group theoretical concept that connects to this, which is there. There's two types of disclosure or truth telling, um, and one of them is content. Right, this is what's happened in my life, uh, and a lot of times that's what people think of when they think of vulnerability. But there's what you're talking about is a equally powerful type of vulnerability, which is I'm going to tell you the truth about what I think is happening right now. I'm not going to participate 
and, and it's often they're not like intentional lies. There's not malice. This is just the way we've learned to adapt. Um, but the, the vulnerability of saying, I'm going to tell the truth here. This is what I see. This is what I'm experiencing right now. Um, and, and that's, I mean, that's often what, what people will come to therapy for is they're asking somebody to say like, I need somebody to be completely truthful with. Um, one of the practices that I do um, is is I don't ever ask anyone how they're doing when they come to my office, especially not in the hallway or in the walkway, um, because it, it's it's a like it's a way that we all agree to kind of lie to each other, right? Like, oh, I'm good. How are you? And and I I refuse to start my meetings with that because I'm not going to start with a deception. I'm going to say hi good to see you because it's genuinely good to see you and then we sit down together and i say something like you know how should we get started today um because i'm i'm queuing i want to be truthful with you and i agree with you um sitting in a moment and saying i'm I'm just going to tell the truth with you right now i don't i don't feel like things are okay and i we need to talk about it um that type of vulnerability can also pave the way for someone to say, okay, uh, I, I'm going to take a risk and match it here. And maybe, maybe you're actually with me and want to help me. Well, it brings to mind our theme for our show, right? Staring into the sun and no good work done. It is easy, you know, and this, this truth telling truth, receiving authenticity thing is we, we, we need it desperately, but we're also equally terrified often of, of the process of, looking at the truth of who we are in our lives and a lot of times we we can't get to the place where we can look at it until we're just in desperate need of it you know Mm. (laughs) we're so so distraught that we're just we've reached a point that there's no other option right when i'm yeah and i'm so trying to avoid looking at the things that i think will expose me as a fake or a fraud or or weak or whatever it might be to other people but it it's actually in that space, and I've seen this over and over again as I've journeyed with people in therapy, is that it's actually in that space that you actually can make movements towards being better, right? Like, like take, for example, coaching, right? Like, if, if I want to be, I don't know, something that I'm not very good at, like golf, I'd be terrible at it. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so if, if I would want to be good at something... And, and if I if I present myself in a way to other people that I, I can't receive your feedback or I don't want it or I won't even show you how I am as a golfer because I don't want you to see how bad it is, I remain the same golfer. I remain as bad as I was and that continues. My pathway to actually being better uh, as a golfer or as a human, my pathway to transforming is actually taking the risk of being open with where I actually am right now because I absolutely need the feedback on how I'm doing to get any type of better. Uh, I can't get better without it. You know what we call this in, in faith in the church? We call What's this that? confession. <laughs> confession. And a lot of times we attribute, and I talk about this all the time with our, with our community here, a lot of times we attribute confession with something negative. I confess sin or I confess something that's bad about my life. But confession really is a declaration of what's true, you know. Uh, I like to think about it in that way. In James 5.16, a passage in uh, scriptures, God reveals that if we confess, specifically it talks about sin in this passage, but if we confess our sins one to another, we will be healed. And there's this activity of confession is given, it's spoken to someone else, it 
invites others in to see the truth of who we are, good, bad, ugly, and it leads us to a place of more complete wholeness or fulfillment in life. And uh, I, I think that's a, a really cool f- kind of faith, um, uh, just a, a yeah. faith perspective, you know, that confession is a part of uh, who we have been created to be, to speak what's true in my life, good, bad, or ugly, you know? So let me ask you this. When, when I think of that, I think, you know, if, if I'm confessing to, uh, you know, uh, a, a perfect, loving, uh, true God, um, I can trust that the response will be okay. Um, but uh, it had me thinking, you know, um, one of the, I guess I want to speak to the challenge in doing this um, because uh, it, we we humans are pretty varied and and a range of broken or mean or whatever it might be and the reality that you know if if i if i open myself up vulnerably to someone who will actually use that to hurt me who will reject me who will criticize me who will punish me these are often the reasons why we have developed the false self is say i can't encounter another person who will do that to me um, so I, I'm just going to shut it down and this isn't often a conscious thing, but it's, it's gotta be shut down because I cannot risk being hurt like that again. Are you asking yeah, what, me a question? Yeah, I, I think there's a question <laughs> How do we do there. That? Like, like what I just want to speak, I guess for maybe somebody listening, that's like, Oh, that, you know, that sounds all well and good. Right. I haven't right. met anybody who would be nice yeah. <laughs> if I were to share who I am with them. Um, or, or maybe resp- I don't think I have. Yeah, I think my response. So my pastoral response, and that's all I can speak to because that's my part of this duo here. Um, my pastoral response, though, is that you, there are certain people that you don't speak that to. Obviously, that will hurt you. But you have been created for community. You've been created to be um, in um, healing and safe community, right? And to find that is to find. A, the pathway to your wholeness as an individual. So without community, we, we lack the, uh, we lack the environment with which to be able to speak and be spoken into, you know, and I think a lot of times masks, um, isolate us. And so I think that's something that faith offers is to enter in. And obviously you, you can find faith communities that aren't safe. You know, (laughs) I know countless people who have, um, been authentic and, um, you know, there's all kinds of people in our world right now that would say the church isn't is the place that they experienced hurt and pain when they tried to share about who they really were. Um, so I would say, yeah, we have. It comes with that caveat that you have to find safe community in order to experience the healing of you know what I said about James five sixteen. I'm I'm not. I don't confess to everybody you know all the time. And now maybe hopefully someday I could be so okay with who I am, um, that I would, you know, be able to speak who I am and be who I am to anybody, no matter what. Um, but I think it begins with the journey of finding a community. And like you've shared, you know, a lot of times maybe that safe place is, is counseling, you know, with someone like Mm -hmm. yourself, Robbie, where you're so hurt and wounded and so cut off from people that you just need someone who's completely other and it's their job to provide a safe environment for you, you know? Um, yeah. I, th- I think, I think that's one of the messages of the parable of the good Samaritan. And, and it, I think it, it points, points to the, the absolute responsibility 
for anyone who is is aware or thinking about this to be the type of person or to cultivate in themselves the type of person that would be able to help and be present for somebody who's broken and bloodied on the road because the reality is is that you know if you attend a church or if you exist in a community um, there are people in your community that are beaten and bloodied and broken and perhaps you don't know it because they've learned not to share it um, and so it's it's a it's an, it's it's a vital responsibility that each person I think uh, ought to take on is how can I be the type of person that would give acceptance to other people and facilitate other people being able to be truly themselves um, because I think an instinctive reaction often to our own pain as well I I didn't get that and so um, I'm I'm not gonna you know like why should I why should I give anything out and um, and you know in in some ways I can understand that you know like when when I was a kid and John stole my gummy bears um <laughs> No I, such thing. I, Lies, I, untruth. I I would turn into a hoarding. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't let anybody touch them, and uh, I'm not going to share with you if you're going to not share with me, right? Um, and I I think that the what, what ends up happening in that world is is um, that there's nobody, and um, yeah, we have a responsibility. I have a responsibility to be the type of person that would see and be safe for somebody who's broken and bloodied and can be authentic. And if, if I'm, if I'm waiting, um, for someone to be that for me, I might miss my chances to be that for someone else. And, and I think the more that we humans take the responsibility that for our neighbor, then the more likely it is we have people around us that, that would give us, uh, that same acceptance. Yeah, I hear that encouragement today. If you're listening today, I think I have two things to kind of wrap up my thoughts with this. One is everybody wears masks, <clears throat> you know. Um, you you do, I do, we all we all do. So recognizing that truth uh, leads us to the the my second kind of point is to find someone, find someone that you feel safe enough with to just exercise um, authenticity. You know, and it takes it takes being intentional about it because we can't we don't we don't often speak truth naturally, you know, because we're whatever we're trying to protect ourselves or all the things we've talked about in this episode. But be intentional. Maybe this week, go find someone and just tell them your story. Tell them what you're feeling. Tell them what you're thinking. Uh, Find someone safe to just practice authenticity. uh, What that looks like and means for you, because I I truly believe that those those activities and those conversations will start to lead all of us uh, to places of wholeness. And really that's the hope of all our conversations is that we want to discover, Rob and I both, and people in our lives and people who are listening, uh, we want to help journey together towards a place where we are more complete or a wholer the wholest is that a word <laughs> the yeah. wholest version more holy fully yeah of ourselves mm-hmm. and i believe that happens by finding places and being intentional about sharing who we really are take the mask off and be authentic with someone this week yeah speaking the truth committing to speaking the truth that's that's good stuff beautiful well this has been Wonderful conversation, John. It's been a pleasure. And uh, thank you for joining us again. We would ask that if you've enjoyed these conversations that you would you would subscribe and engage with us. And uh, uh, just really appreciate your time listening as we continue 
together to stare into the sun. Grace and peace. The way we find ourselves is by staring into the sun.